Are you looking for ways to attract and retain private pay clients? Thryzer is a payment platform for therapists built to help clients automatically tap into their out-of-network benefits and save on therapy up front. Check out our special link, join.thryzer.com forward slash modern therapist, and use the code modern therapists to activate $2,500 in free payments with Thryzer. Therapy Notes, the number one trusted EHR among mental health professionals, just keeps getting better and better. With legendary customer support 24 hours a day, seven days a week, they're giving you all the tools you need to succeed, whether you're a solo clinician or a group practice. Try them free for two months using promo code MODERN today. You're listening to the Modern Therapist Survival Guide, where therapists live, breathe, and practice as human beings. To support you as a whole person and a therapist, here are your hosts, Kurt Widhelm and Katie Vernoy. Welcome back, Modern Therapists. This is the Modern Therapist Survival Guide. I'm Kurt Widhelm with Katie Vernoy. And if you wouldn't mind doing us a favor, wherever you are listening to us, if you wouldn't mind stopping by leaving us a rating and a review, it definitely helps us out. And if this is your first time listening to us, please subscribe so that way you don't miss any of our episodes. And we have heard before that you're not really doing couples therapy unless you're asking about sex. And so today <laughs> we are joined by Elisa Bokin. She is a licensed marriage and family therapist and sex therapist in the Houston, Texas area. Also the founder of the Relational and Sexual Wellness Center. And she's here to talk sexy times with us. So <laughs> we are super excited to have her. And thank you so much for joining us, Elisa. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. We are so excited to have this opportunity to talk with you. And we get to see you in person in LA. Oh my goodness. We would love to have you introduce yourself. So who are you and what are you putting out into the world? Yeah, so I'm Elisa Bokin. I am the owner and founder of the Relationship and Sexual Wellness Center here in Houston, Texas. I'm a relationship therapist, a sex therapist, in addition to all the other roles that I play uh, but what I'm putting out into the world is healing, um, really working on helping people to heal from shame and to have more satisfying, mutually satisfying relationships that are pleasure-filled and shame-free. So I always kind of wonder when people get into this specialty of, of how you got into sex therapy, because this seems like such an area that so many people are not comfortable talking about. And here you are just kind of being like, Hey, yeah, sex, let's talk about it. Let's put it right out there. So can you kind of walk us through how you got to where you are? Absolutely. And I think part of why people shy away from even the idea of sex therapy is not really knowing what that entails. But the way that I became more interested in it was during internship, I started to do a lot of work with couples because I wanted to be a marriage and family therapist, but doing my work with couples and then was also doing a lot of work individually with young women, girls who had suffered some sort of sexual trauma, some sort of abuse, violations. And I found it incredibly rewarding when I was working with the young women to see their healing process. And then when I was working with couples, the topic of sex was coming up, of course, and we were, the program that I was in, we touched on the topic of sex, but we really didn't go very deep into it. And so 
I'm the type of person that when I want to do something, it's like if I learn about photography today, tomorrow I want to take the best pictures there is. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I want to know all things by tomorrow. And so becoming a therapist was actually my second career in life. It was what I always wanted to do, but it took me longer to get back. And so at this point, I'm like, I can only help couples and I can only help individuals so far until I get more training on this. And so it was coming up whether I was seeing them in relationships, it was coming up whether they were, you know, keep people were coming in talking about anxiety and somehow the topic of sex would come up, be it because there was some trauma in their past, be it because there was shame or misinformation. And I just thought if I'm going to be effective at this and do it the way that I want to do it and to really be able to meet my clients when they have the trust in me, when they're opening up and they're bringing up the topic of sex, which is often so difficult for many people to do. I want to be able to meet them where they're at and be competent and help them out. So many people don't ever have that come into their room in a, a really overt way. And I think there's a lot of therapists that just are very uncomfortable, potentially their bodies close up, they get embarrassed or those kinds of things. So there was something that I think that you were doing differently, that you're getting a lot of those conversations happening. And I, I guess I, I wonder what that was. Like, how do you feel like you be, you made it safe for your clients to speak about sex? So then you felt like, okay, I got to get really competent in this. Yeah, I, I think even the feedback that I've gotten from some of my clients is not feeling judged and not feeling ashamed. And I think a big part of that is I, you know, growing up, I'm Mexican and was raised Catholic. So shame was a big part, <laughs> was a big part of my upbringing. And, you know, through my own healing and my own work, doing my own therapy throughout the years, I just realized and it was so clear to me just how much shame had limited me in my life and how much it had Im impacted even my relationships. And so not fully knowing that that was kind of what I was doing, but really wanting to make it clear to my clients that this, that this was a space that was going to be safe for them and really just kind of intuitively not wanting to shame my clients. One of the issues that you deal with is when couples are avoiding sex. And this can be for any number of reasons that come out in therapy. But for people who are wandering into working with couples who aren't necessarily as adept at working with sex uh, as a topic, what are some things that they should be looking for? How should they bring this up? How should they be addressing kind of the absence of sex? Yeah. So I think it's really important that the therapist introduce the conversation and introduce it in a way that again is non-shaming and so just even being able to ask that as part of your intake process you know when you're asking about communication when you're asking you know about everything else that you ask about so are there any concerns that you have right now about your sex life where the therapist is introducing it and really what that's doing is it's giving the client permission to be able to bring this topic up. It's letting them know you're comfortable going there. I think the other major thing, like I said, is not to shame clients, to get some solid um, training on how to be able to address some of these topics because a big part of sex therapy is us being able to really check our own biases and check our own shame. 
And so if there was any two things that I would say, if you're not going to go into sex therapy per se, it's to bring up the conversation in a way that is non-shaming and then get even some just basic training on how to address this topic. Because a lot of times clients are waiting for the therapist to bring it up. And, you know, I've heard other therapists say, well, if the client doesn't bring it up, I'm not going to bring it up, you know, if it's, if it's a concern to them. But I think when it comes to the topic of sex, especially people don't have the language, people don't know how to approach it. They don't know if you're going to be comfortable talking about it. So sometimes just by not talking about it, the client can read that as well. We're just not going to go there because my therapist isn't comfortable. going. We should do more than just point them to an Esther Perel podcast. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. Although Esther Perel is amazing. Yeah. <laughs> so, yes. uh-huh. yeah, I mean, I think it's kind of funny because there's, there's so many therapists that I think say that it's like, if they're not bringing it up, then I'm not going to bring it up and that kind of stuff. What do you think they miss when therapists aren't introducing this conversation or getting that data? I think they're missing a really big part of what the big picture is within the relationship. I mean, it's such a, an important part of our romantic relationships, whether you're having it, whether you're not having it, they miss so much because a lot of times it could be that clients are coming in and they're talking about, Oh, I don't feel connected anymore. Or we just, you know, we don't communicate very well. And then what they're not talking about is for example, why we're avoiding sex or if we're avoiding sex, what's happening? What's this, is is this part of discrepancies in desire or is there more going on with the client? The, The other thing that, that I think is really important is when people bring up challenges around their sex life. Right away, many people, many client, many therapists will pathologize what is happening within the relationship. You know, is it a medical thing? Does somebody need to take a pill? Was there some sort of abuse or trauma? But I think what they will often miss is often it's a lack of education. It's a lack of education Mm -hmm. for the clients who have now placed certain expectations on their relationship based on misinformation And they're having very real disappointment, very real shame, very real disconnection. And yet it's all based on misinformation. And so I think we we really miss a big part of how we can help to strengthen a relationship when we're not even willing to bring the conversation into the room. I always go back to how therapists are typically trained. The typical therapist, at least here in California, gets one and a half semester credits in sex and sexuality, which does tend to focus on a lot of, at least the class I took, a lot of the physical aspects of what can go wrong with sex. But I don't think that it really opens up the way for therapists to really comfortably start talking about sex. And I'm wondering if this is something that happens in other parts of the country too, as far as training, and why this becomes such a big post-graduation need for training that is just kind of incomplete when it comes down to here's how you talk with other people about sex. Right. I don't think it's exclusive to California. I'm in Texas. So (laughs) there you have it. (laughs) There you have it. But I think a lot of it is because again, there's just so much misinformation and a lack of education, a lack of training around it. 
it's like I said, it's very unfortunate because our clients really need to be able to, to understand how our sexual health is just as important as our mental health, our physical health. And if we're not addressing this major piece of who we are, that we are born sexual beings with sexual parts, we're missing just such a big part of how we can help our clients and how they can learn also how to enhance their lives. Because sex therapy goes beyond just performance, right? It goes beyond... When you're a sex therapist, you get really interesting phone calls also. So it go it goes beyond just what are the what are the functions of sex or the act of sex. There's so much that's that's tied into our sexuality and how we see ourselves and the conversation of pleasure and what happens to us when we're aging and our sexuality. What happens when we have some sort of chronic illness that happens or we're diagnosed with cancer and afterwards what happens to my sex life after i've gone through chemo treatments what happens to my sex life after i've had a child mm -hmm. and so again we're ignoring this big piece that i will say also a lot of physicians ignore and don't really give our clients the the information that they need to really empower them and to really understand what's going to happen to your body as your body changes, as life changes, as your relationship changes. And a big part, I think, of sex therapy also is grief, grief therapy into what happens when I'm in a relationship for 10, 15 years and the sex life that we had at the beginning is no longer. You know, so I, there's just so much to it that goes beyond just the act of, of sex. Thryzer is a payment platform designed for out-of-network therapy. As a therapist, you would use Thryzer to charge clients for sessions and collect your full rate up front. From the client's perspective, Thryzer links to their health plan, so insurance claims are automatically submitted for them upon every charge. From there, Thryzer manages the claims end-to-end that your clients don't have to worry about manually submitting super bills or getting on calls with insurance. The best part? Thryzer allows clients to only pay their co-insurance portion for sessions, while Thryzer covers the rest of your fee and waits for reimbursement on their behalf. They also offer you an instant benefits calculator for free, allowing you to provide upfront transparency to prospective clients on their out-of-network coverage. Therapists only pay a standard 3% credit card processing fee per session with no additional fees. Visit join.thryzer.com forward slash modern therapist to get started and use our promo code modern therapists to receive $2,500 in waived fees for your sessions. I think the thing that that I that started coming up for me when you were talking, especially when you mentioned bias, but also just kind of all of the things that were not taught when, you know, I was trained quite a while ago as a therapist and, you know, I, maybe they talked about homosexual sex, but it was all very couples based. I mean, there was just not a lot of looking at the diversity of sexual orientation or expression or gender fluidity. Like there's just, there wasn't a lot of that there. And so to me, it seems like there's this whole array of, knowledge that I need to kind of update continually and that kind of stuff. Where have you found to be the most solid kind of adjunct training for folks who are wanting to, to dig into this more deeply? 
So I'm going to be really biased here because I loved my program. That I went <laughs> the program that I went through is through the University of Michigan um, Sexual Health Certification Program. And it is an amazing program. And the, and the reason why I love that program is because it was an interdisciplinary program. So I wasn't just in a cohort with other therapists. I was in there with, you know, educators, psychiatrists, OBGYNs. I had no idea that there are physical therapists who specialize in pelvic floor physical therapy. You know, Mm -hmm. so I learned so much, not only from my instructors, but from the people in my cohort and was able to also develop this amazing network of colleagues that I can consult with after my training. So University of Michigan is, has an amazing program. If someone is interested, ASECT, um, A-A-S-E-C-T, um, is kind of the organization that sets the kind of gold standard for what type of training they want their therapists to go through to be able to say they've been ASECT certified and getting supervision after that, et cetera, et cetera. So it, it's, it's a commitment. It's a commitment Uh, But I think it's just so important that even if you're not going to specialize in this, to be able to take some courses on being able to do even the the basics of introducing the conversation, right? Because sometimes it may not be that someone needs to see a sex therapist per se, you know, that at that point, then you would know, okay, I can refer out to a sex therapist who can possibly go in deeper than I can. But a lot of these conversations are a lot of the topics, maybe something that you don't need years and years of training for. They, you just need to be able to have the conversation with your clients. You mentioned a little bit earlier about some of the phone calls that you get. What? <laughs> <laughs> phone what? calls, email. <laughs> but I, got, I got to imagine... Maybe not at this point in your career of the things that even come up in sessions too, but mm-hmm. what what catches you off guard these days that all of this education doesn't really prepare you for? You know, I, I it's 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 really not even that scandalous, <laughs> but <laughs> but but what really catches me off guard is just how much misinformation there is out there. And how it continues to impact well-educated, successful, you know, well-rounded people, just how much misinformation is still out there and how much they continue to base their expectations of what their body is supposed to do, what their partners are supposed to do, their expectations or sex expectations, as I like to call it, um, (laughs) that they have about sex. So as long as I've been doing it, I'm still surprised that people are still so misinformed. What is the thing that you are most surprised that people are misinformed about? That I I hear this a lot, that their partners should know how to please them, that their Mm -hmm. partners should know how to please them. Their partners should know, especially if you've been with somebody for a really long time, I shouldn't have to tell you if you loved me, you would know. And it's, I'm still, you know, every time that it, that it comes up, it's when I, especially when I go into the conversation asking that particular client, like, so what is it that you want? What is it that turns you on? And people will, and, and this will say, and I'm, it's a generalization, but this is what I've seen more often than not. It's typically women. 
typically women, because they are so disconnected from their bodies a lot of time and they don't get the permission to be sexual beings and to embrace that and all that that means, they don't know what turns them on or they have shame about what turns them on or they want their partners to know. And when I ask them, well, what is it that you want? What is it that turns you on? They don't, they don't know. It's sometimes the first time someone's asked them before, or they're really uncomfortable with even having to, to figure it out. I'm kind of surprised that this isn't even a little bit more equal as far as men, maybe not even having kind of the emotional connection of being able to talk about what their turn-ons might be and kind of seeing this from a, you know, a gender-based standpoint as far as the communication breakdown maybe having different different origin points but i don't have a question this is just more of an observation <laughs> <laughs> you know what's what's interesting what i see a lot when i'm working with men is there is there's a lot of, I think, misconceptions, what I've seen in my work, misconceptions that men don't want to have the emotional ties into being sexual. That's one big thing. The other big thing is just how much misinformation and myths about men's sexuality impacts them. The idea that men, all men want it all the time and they should be ready to go and and mm-hmm. how much that impacts a relationship when that's not the reality. And what I, what I find a lot in particular when I'm working uh, with heterosexual couples, I see this a lot when I'm working with the men, is this anxiety about men disappointing their partners, not kind of living up to this expectation or this performance level. Um, so it's just, it's not, it's, continues to surprise me, but then it doesn't. It's still upsetting as as to how much we internalize these messages about what we're how we're supposed to perform during sex and just how it wreaks havoc on a relationship. I imagine that along with that is even shame around bodies on both sides of, you know, a lot of the men that I here coming through my practice, talk about, you know, being embarrassed about their penis size or, Mm -hmm. and, you know, this is something again, where I think that there's different ideas based on, on which gender we're talking about here, but of that expectation and that shame of not being able to meet a expectation that's based out of misinformation. Right. Right. And, and so one of the questions that I will often ask my clients when they first come in, and they're having some sort of sexual issues is I will ask them where they learned about sex. You know, where was their education? And I always use the example that if they came to me and they're telling me that they really want to figure out why they're having so many issues with driving, they're they're constantly getting tickets, they're getting pulled over. They've been into, you know, traffic court way too many times. First thing I'm going to ask you is where did you learn to drive? So yep. if you tell me watching the fast and the furious, <laughs> like, <laughs> if that was your driver's ed, we're going to have some problems, right? Because fast and the furious fun movie, it's fantasy. So we're not going to base what, what, how we're going to drive on the fast and the furious. And for so many people, for a lot of men, they're, formal, uh, formal sex ed was porn, sexual imagery. 
right? And so that's not a judgment on porn. It's, you just have to understand that's a fantasy. That's mm. what we. That's not what we can base our expectations on. And for a lot of women, we'll base their expectations on it also as far as how their bar- bodies are supposed to perform, what their bodies are supposed to do, what they're supposed to like according to. Um, so a lot of a lot of sex therapy really is education, sex education, and giving clients some accurate information. And a lot of times, even just giving them that information is what they need. Well, I imagine that there's also a lot of cultural impacts based on how people are raised, based on, you know, kind of religion or spiritual beliefs. I think to me, it seems like there's such a, an intersection of kind of what society at large says about sex. And I think in the United States, we're generally pretty locked down. This is not appropriate conversation for much of, I think, you know, American society. And then there's also kind of within that, all the the subgroups of folks and and how each culture, each religion looks at it. How do you unpack all of that? Because it seems like there's just so many pieces that are going to impact how someone views sex, how they get past shame, bias, you know, kind of just any of the things, you know, inaccurate information, expectations. How do you unpack all of that? Well, I've always focused first on what is it that my client is there to see me for? You know, what is it that they're wanting to get out of out of therapy. And then we're going to do a good amount of exploring as to, okay, what were the messages that you got growing up about sex? You know, because one thing that I find more often than not is we may grow up having certain messages, let's say certain messages around sex. And we get to a point in our lives where we say, well, that, that doesn't apply to me. You know, I, I, I reject that. That, that was what my mother thought, my father thought, but I'm, I'm over that. Right. But yeah. then you see how in, the, in, in your present day life, it's actually still impacting you because it's so wired within us. The messaging is so deep. So a lot of times it's, it's even bringing to the surface how that makes that message. You may actually still be operating under that belief. So a lot of it is to just really even understand uh, what were the messages that that you that you were given, and how they how you might still be loyal to those messages? Not only does Therapy Notes combine billing, scheduling, notes, secure messaging, group telehealth, and more into one streamlined platform, they're also always adding new features and forms to their library. So no matter your specialty, Therapy Notes has you covered. Learn more at therapynotes.com and use promo code MODERN for two months free. We tend to skew our conversations a lot of times to how this plays out for you as the therapist outside of the office. So when you're at your dinner parties and people find out that you're a sex therapist, (laughs) (laughs) what's the reactions that you're getting as this kind of plays out as you lead kind of your you know, authentic life talking about your practice and about what you do. Yeah. So I, I always tell people, I usually get two reactions. Um, I usually don't tell them I'm a sex therapist. Someone will either tell uh, either someone I'm with, like, Oh, she does sex therapy or whatever. But when they find out, I usually get one of two reactions and that is, Oh, you're a sex therapist, you know? So it'll be either be, Oh, or it'll be, Oh, <laughs> <laughs> Like, oh, okay. You know, and I, and I think again, it's because people 
don't really know what sex, what it, what a sex therapist does. Sometimes people mistake me for a sex coach, right? Not what I do. I always tell people when they ask, well, what does a sex therapist do? I talk about sex. I have more training on how to deal with issues around sexuality, around sexual health. That's it. I mean, what does a grief therapist do? You know, what does an addictions therapist do? And so once I tell people it's still talk therapy and they're like, oh, I'm like, I just know how to address more of these issues. I've just spent more time training on how to address certain issues that might be impacting our sexuality. What are the biggest misconceptions you've heard as far as what people think it is that you do? They think I'm going home with clients and instructing them, (laughs) (laughs) positioning them. Um, You know, I've, I've had people call and say, do you teach intercourse? You know? And so I think they, they, they think it's more hands-on, more of a coaching type of position. um, Or they think, I think sometimes some of the times the people that call me, they think it's a front for something else. Mm -hmm. Like they want to know what, (laughs) what types of services, what types of sex therapy services do I offer? Uh, so people, um, like I said, I think they hear the word sex and it sounds a lot more scandalous <laughs> than it really is. It's so interesting that we've kind of scandalized the word sex when it's yes. such a part of our lives. Absolutely. What do you think that the typical therapist is getting wrong without some of these deeper conversations and further trainings in talking about sex and sexuality? What they're getting wrong. That's, that's tough because I don't, I don't know that I want to say that what they're getting wrong, but maybe what they are, maybe the misconceptions um, Mm -hmm. is again, I think the go-to is to pathologize something path for, and I'll give you an example. If, we have a heterosexual couple that comes into therapy and something that's very typical is the woman is not as interested in sex as let's say her partner. Um, Automatically it it will often be pathologized. Well, you know, either she's, maybe she's going through menopause, maybe it's something hormonal, maybe she's been abused, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Whereas automatically it's seen as a problem per se that she has Mm -hmm. a certain level of sexual desire, which it may not be a problem. So I think the biggest, the biggest go-to is to pathologize automatically. Something is wrong. Let's fix it with a pill or sending her to see a physician without asking what else might be going on. So a common a common thing that I work with when clients come in, I do a lot of work with women. I love doing a lot of individual working work with women. And one thing that I often see them for is pain during sex. And a lot of times that's not even a question that is asked by therapists. If you have a couple that's come in and asking the woman, you know, is there any pain at any point during sex? And because there are a lot of people who think that there's on some level, there's, there's going to be some pain or some discomfort. And a lot of times these women have already seen medical professionals who can't find an explanation to this pain. And they've kind of just decided that it's something they've made up in their head, et cetera, et cetera. So I think 
automatically assuming that the woman is not wanting to have sex because something's wrong with her, like she's just not in the mood or she needs a pill or it's hormonal, um, part of those major misconceptions. And I think another thing that oftentimes gets pathologized is not having sex, whether it's Mm -hmm. not having a partner or not having sex with your partner or partners. What are your thoughts about that? Because I think that that's something that I think is pretty misunderstood and, and probably is not uncovered because if the therapists aren't asking and the clients aren't volunteering because they're not having sex, it seems like that could be missed pretty often. Yes. So I always want to get more curious about that. Are both of the partners, you know, okay with it? If it's someone who's not even partnered up and they've decided that they're going to be celibate per se, my big thing is to find out one, is my client, is this causing distress in my client? Is this something that they want to work on? And then for them to understand that part of being sex positive, that's a term that we will hear a lot, you know, often is sex positive, sex positive. And that's really about making decisions and choices that we can feel good about without the shame. And to understand that what we choose to do with our bodies, that that is up to us, that it's up to us and that we can exercise that autonomy But I think a lot of times that's not the information that people are getting, that you get to decide what your sex life looks like. If that's with a partner, then you and your partner get to decide what that looks like and what works for you versus what people are telling you what it should look like, especially when it doesn't fall into this nice, nice, neat little box, when it's a little bit outside the box. Because when it's outside the box, that's when people start to struggle with the confusion, with the shame, is something wrong with us? And so really helping them to construct a sex life that, or design a sex life that works for them. So it really comes down to making sure that you're, that you are bringing it up, making sure that you have up-to-date information so that you're not kind of pathologizing or supporting some of these myths or, or things that have typically been kind of spread around through whether it's porn or just kind of society and then really identifying with the client what it is that that they want to be able to have the sex life that that, that matches for them yes absolutely absolutely our guest today is Louisa Bokeen where can people find you on the internet and more about your practice Yeah. So you can go to my website, trswc.com. I'm also on Instagram and Facebook. I've actually began to rebrand at the beginning of this year. So on Instagram and Facebook, you can find me at flow and ease with E. But yeah, I'm in Houston, Texas, and also the co-founder of Melanin and Mental Health. So hopefully we'll get to see some of you all at this conference. Woohoo! Excited about that. Yeah, I'm so excited about the talk that you and Ebony are doing at Therapy Reimagined. And Ebony is your co-host or co-founder of Melanin Mental Health. And you guys will be talking about race and racism and therapy. Yes. So excited. And to see you in person. And you guys will have a little booth there so you can, you know, sell all your swag. So, so, <laughs> so excited you're going to be there. Yeah, I'm excited too. And we'll have links to Elisa's stuff in our show notes. You can see those at mtsgpodcast.com. You can also find out more about the Therapy Reimagined Conference coming up here 
uh, October 18th and 19th here in the Universal City area of Los Angeles. Two days, we have like up to 30 CEUs if you're going with the different levels of tickets, uh, some of them live, some of them you'll do online. All of our CEs are covered by Simple Practice. They're doing a great job of helping us out. And until next time, I'm Kurt Whithelm with Katie Vernoy and Elisa Bokeen. Thank you for listening to the Modern Therapist Survival Guide. Learn more about who we are and what we do at mtsgpodcast.com. You can also join us on Facebook and Twitter. And please don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss any of our episodes. Remember to check out Thryzer. They are passionate about making out-of-network therapy work for everyone. Clients save upfront on therapy while therapists earn their full rate. Get started in minutes on join.thryzer.com forward slash modern therapist and use the promo code modern therapists and receive $2,500 in waived fees for your sessions. Thanks so much to our partner, Therapy Notes, the highest rated practice management solution for behavioral health. Don't forget, using promo code MODERN gets you two free months.